Welcome to Build a Drone Reviewer Podcast, Episode 22, Tuesday Night Rotor Talk Live, Season 2, Episode 32, DJI Mavic Mini with Drone DJ. Got that coming up next. This past Tuesday night, I had the pleasure with my co-host Marcus Crawford of having Hey Kestaloo on from Joan DJ. We talked about a number of subjects, and what we spent a considerable amount of time on was the DJI Mavic Mini, but we had also discussed some of the other future drones that DJI could be coming out with. So without any further ado, I'm going to roll the broadcast. It's an entirety. Welcome to Tuesday Night Rotor Talk Live, Season 2, Episode 33. Very special guest. Hey, Kestaloo, we're going to just jump right into it here in just a minute. Um, but first, I want to go ahead and introduce my wonderful co-host, Marcus Crawford. He's here tonight. And unfortunately, I got mine. Okay, I had to nail this here. Marcus Crawford, he's here tonight. And hey, I heard my name twice. <laughs> only only four important people. <laughs> only four important. Okay, we're all set now. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> Wouldn't you know that all that kind of stuff always happens. Well, um, just going to get some housekeeping done, and then we're just going to kind of jump right into things here. Um, just want to remind everybody, Spin Up 2019 is happening October 19th. And our special guest, Hey Kestaloo, is one of the speakers there. You don't want to miss this opportunity to go down. You get to hang out with, with um, Kelly. You get to hang out with Rick Smith. He'll be there. Original Dobo will be there. Billy Kyle will be there. Um, Ron Brown will be there. Marcus Crawford will be there. I will be there. And um, we're it's just going to be a lot of fun. So you don't want to miss that. Um, remember, as each month goes by, that price goes up, I believe, about $25, $35. So the more you can save, the, the better the better you'll be, the more, earlier you get this done. Uh, Ron is not able to be with us tonight. Um, he's having some family time, and I said, absolutely, enjoy yourself. Absolutely, have a, have a blast. And um, I'm just going to go ahead, and we're just going to go ahead and get started here. Um, hey, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight on a short notice. I know this was was short notice, but um, you know this was this happened to be what I would call a banner day for DJI when the product that they release is overshadowed by the product that is coming. Um, and so, without any further ado, I just want to jump right into this. Um, hey, um, just want to get your thoughts right away on that. I mean, you know, the Osmo Mobile Three came out today and people aren't really talking about it. No, I, th I think you're right on that. I mean, um, it seems like the entire of 2019, we've been waiting for DJI to come out with a drone and we're getting all these other amazing products, which is great and it's fine. But I think most of the drone enthusiasts want something that flies. And uh, now we get today the uh, DJI Osmo Mobile 3, which of course is great as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, talking about a uh, Mavic Mini is a lot more interesting, I think, than uh, the Osmo Mobile 3. And if we look at our traffic at Drone DJ today, it's it's obvious. I mean, the Osmo is nice, but it's the Mavic Mini that everybody's talking about. Well, you know, um, and, and, and uh, I wanted to uh, d divert to Marcus for a second. Now, Marcus actually got an Osmo Mobile 3. Um, he saw it after what kind of convinced him was to what Rick Smith got one and did a review on it and that that kind of that kind of convinced him to do that marcus why don't you talk about that for a minute yeah well so the i i had the original osmo mobile and and, and bill and i talked about this honestly it was kind of useless <laughs> at least for me it was more trouble to set it up and mess around with it than it was worth so so what happens is when something is difficult to set up you you end up not using it as often as you should but when i after i watched rick smith's uh, video this morning and I saw that it could be useful to me. For instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, when when I'm making a drone video and I'm doing a narration, to be able to set that thing up that it can follow you around, oh, yeah. basically it's an automated cameraman, right? Uh, so I think that was worthwhile enough for me. And, and secondly, the second thing that got me 
was the price at 139 bucks. You know, boom. If it, if it was $200, it probably would have been different. But 139 bucks, I figure if I use it two or three times a year, it's it's worth it. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and, you know, we're just going to kind of, that's going to probably end the Osmo Mobile 3 talk for the evening and want to focus on, yeah. you know, uh, basically why we have Hay in. Um, Hay has br broken a lot of news recently. And, um, you know, one of the first things I want to say is, you know, hey, when it comes to, you know, it used to be the old thing, I'd wake up and look at the Wall Street Journal. Well, now I wake up and I look at Drone DJ and I also look at Sally French too. So you, you guys are my news sources that I go to for drones every single day without without fail. Um, wanted, to say, wanted to say that first. Um, you know, you've been following this and I've been following this all along and it's just like each day it gets a little more interesting with the information that, that we're finding out. So um, I want to hear your thoughts. First of all, what I want to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, we're, it's, we're calling it the Mavic Mini, but is there any chance that they'll call this a Spark 2? What are your thoughts about that? Might be. Uh, that that could, could actually be. I mean, um, one of our readers pointed out that apparently DJI uh, listed the Spark on a special segment of their website, but it just said Spark at the top. And apparently they'd recently changed that to Spark Series which would imply that there's going to be different iterations or different versions of the Spark. Uh, yeah, in that case, this might end up being the Spark 2. Uh, however, I think it's, at the same time, it, it has such a strong resemblance to the DJI Mavic Pro and the DJI Mavic 2 that it wouldn't surprise me if they actually were to stick with the, the name DJI Mavic Mini. I mean, it kind of tells you everything you need to know. It means it's a foldable drone. It means that it's smaller, portable, uh, less expensive, most likely. So the name in that sense is kind of powerful as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if they stick with Mavic Mini. Well, you know, one of the things you talked about today, which, which I'm finding just absolutely fascinating, is that, um, you know, this could be under the 250 grams rule. And if that is, and I agree with you 100%, they, can't, they won't be able to make enough of them. They'll, they'll yeah. fly off the shelves. That's what I think too. I mean, um, at the uh, elevation safety or elevating safety uh, meeting in Washington D.C. in May of this year, they mentioned that uh, every drone as of January 2020 from DJI that weighs more than 250 grams would include uh, ADS-B receiving uh, capability. Um, if they make this drone below 250 grams, I think they hit the ball out of the ballpark, so to say. Uh, it's it's deals or you get away from a lot of the uh, legal issues, for instance, the drone registration, registration with the FAA here in the US, but also in other countries. If your drone is below 250 grams, you're pretty much good to fly. I mean, you still need to um, adhere to all the drone regulations, of course. I mean, it doesn't mean that now all of a sudden you can fly at night and beyond line of sight and over people and all those things. Uh, but it not having to register your drone or not having to get a uh, certificate or passing an exam makes a big difference. And I think with that, uh, DJI would open up this drone to pretty much all the consumers. And I think it might also draw people back in who have now thought, hey, uh, flying a drone is getting too expensive, but mostly too complicated. Like um, I was with uh, Paul Atkin from uh, DroneU in uh, New York recently, and we were interviewing people at the DJI store, asking them about Lance and if they knew about the changing drone rules for hobbyist pilots. And most people look at you and have no idea what Lens is all about. So if you need to get all those consumer drone pilots uh, up to date with the rules and the changing rules and, and having them to use these systems, it's difficult. Uh, a lot of people aren't up to date with that stuff. And I think if you get a drone out there that weighs less than 250 grams, and again, you still need to apply with all the regular rules, but at least you don't have to go through the registration process, first of all. I think you make a lot of things uh, a lot more easy for them. Marcus, you have a question for, for Hay? Well, uh, I, I actually have a, a comment. So one of the things okay. you touched on was uh, price. And, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned under 250 grams does not mean that you don't have to follow the rules. I tell people that all the time. Yeah, you wouldn't have to have a number on the side. But other than that, everything else yeah. still applies. Uh, but when you mentioned price and competition, so I've been kind of fooling around with some of the lower price drones, the Hubson Zeno the Femi X8SE, uh, they're not DJI. Let me get clear that up right now. They're not even close. But what they are, I think, is the, the attractiveness of them is that sub $500 price point. 
And and you know that, and Bill and I have talked about this many times, DJI is not going to leave, they want to own the market. And so they're not going to leave any niche to somebody else. I totally agree. And actually, this kind of brings us back also to the DJI Osmo Mobile. If you look at the original, I think that was priced around 350 340 or something. Then the second iteration came out. They dropped the price significantly to 129 I think, or 139 it was. And now we have the third one, and it's 119 So meanwhile, the device has become better, more capable, smaller, uh, smarter, lighter, longer battery life, I believe, as well, and cheaper. It's, it's kind of the same idea that you have a DJI Mavic uh, 2, you have the Mavic Air, even though that's an older product, but let's say it's positioned right below it. And now you come out with the third model, which is smaller, cheaper, lighter, and maybe not as capable, but let's say for sure more capable than a DJI Spark. That's, to me, that sounds like a home run. It really does. Um, hey, you, were, you put out a video, you had a video sent to you on the, um, on the Mavic Mini today. Um, did you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, this was sent to us through Twitter. Uh, we got a private message on Twitter and somebody had uh, put this link to this video in there. By the time we got to see it, it had less, I think, than 100 views. So it was, and it was posted only two hours ago. So this was pretty, uh, pretty brand new. And basically what you see is you see somebody holding um, a, one version, at least, of the DJI Mavic Mini. And basically they're turning it around so you get to kind of see it from different angles. And it's different than looking at pictures because now with the hands in there, you kind of get a sense for how big this is and, and possibly how heavy it is. Um, it's still going to be a, a close call, I think. I mean, in the leaked specs that we've seen, if those specs are correct, this drone would weigh 245 grams. Uh, it's almost hard to believe with a camera and a gimbal and a battery and the motors and everything that you can actually produce a Mavic Mini that would weigh less than 250 grams. But then again, if you're going to make a lightweight DJI Mavic Mini, why would you shoot for 300 grams or 350 or 400 if you can possibly get it below 250? I mean, getting it below 250 is a game changer. And I think this video uh, shows that that might well be the case. I don't think when I look at this drone, I don't think uh, it's, it's, it's a heavy aircraft at all. It seems light to me. Marcus, did you have a chance to look at that video? I, I did. And, and uh, the, the, I, I got to tell you, hey, the first thing I looked at was like you said the hand and that gave you the idea of the size of the thing the other thing that i want to add is is i was kind of late to the party buying a spark i've only had one for a few months but but what i because i had a mavic 2 why do i need a spark right but yeah. what i learned with a drone of that size is how convenient it is when you're traveling when you're on it when, when you're flying someplace you just put it in a backpack you can take it with yeah. you and the other thing is it's so easy to deploy, so quick and easy to de deploy, and so quick and easy to uh, retrieve. And this Mavic Mini is going to fill that. It's going to be even better at that. So uh, another reason to believe that it would be a home run. Oh, I, I totally agree. Remember when the uh, DJI Mavic Air was launched in New York and um... – What's his name? Michael, I think. Michael Perry. Uh, he left uh, DJI not too long ago, but he was presenting uh, the DJI Mavic Air. And I think he had three of them in his pockets. He had like a vest on with like one here and two in his side pockets of his uh, pants. And he's like, oh, this drone is so small. It's so lightweight. It's so portable. You can take it anywhere on your travels and your adventures. If you compare that to a DJI Mavic Mini, uh, if that is in fact going to be less than 250 grams, it even blows the DJI Mavic Air out of the water. It really does. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share part of the article. I, I don't want to run the video because I don't want to have any copyright issues, but I'm going to show some of the pictures that you shared here. And we're going we're gonna to pull that up now. And I want to talk about that for a second here. Now, um, what's real interesting, and I noticed this when I was bringing these pictures back up, is on the picture in the upper right-hand corner where we're looking at the leg right here. Yeah. Um, this is the first I noticed that it was completely exposed right here. Um, like the, and that's your biggest clue that this is a prototype because, um, you know, a real, a real drone would obviously are going to have those wires covered up and they're not covered up there. I don't know if uh, that, that, that just caught my eye when I was looking at this this evening. Um, I noticed that as well. I think you're right. I think this, that this is a, uh, an early prototype or an early model, maybe just assembled enough to get certain approvals in place. 
Uh, I don't think this will be the uh, final product. However, on the other hand, uh, if you need to get below 250 grams, you are going to probably have to make some concessions. So I don't think they would do something like this and leave the legs open. That'd be weird, I think. But um, they might have had to make some shortcuts here and there to get to that uh, 250 uh, grams number. Well, and the other thing I wanted to talk about, too, and, you know, we see the USB-C in the back and also where the SD card is. Now, you know, um, the Mavic Air, getting the SD card on the, out of the Mavic Air, uh, that was an exercise in probably patience and mostly frustration. Um, I would certainly hope that DJI had learned its lesson as far as that's concerned because, you know what, hey, every single time, you know, it's like I had to get a pencil or a pen or, you know, or a pin or something to pop that out. I mean, that was just, that was ridiculous. Yeah, um, talking about these connections, uh, we think that the final drone might in fact have USB-C. This doesn't seem to be USB-C yet. Um, and also the micro SD slots. What, what kind of worries me a little bit with both of these openings is that they seem not to be covered by the battery door. So they wow. might be just open to the elements, if you will, when you're flying around. Right. Now, you know, the one thing that I do like, and, and I got to give, give DJI some credit for that, um, you know, I remember early on with the Spark, a lot of people were talking about, um, you know, having issues, you know, where the battery would, would fall off in mid-flight or having that, having that type of concern. With a battery door, it's, it's going to pretty much eliminate that possibility. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. I mean, um, I had a Spark for a while and I had some connectivity issues and some people were saying that that had to do with the battery connection. Uh, this seems like a much better solution where the battery is fully enclosed. There's a lid on it. You shut it or you close it and it should be safe and secure in there, I think. Well, um, one of the other things, and I wanted to touch base with you on this. Um, I have, I have some friends, um, in Australia and also have another friend here, um, who has, have been you know, giving me some information. Um, he heard that a Mavic Air 2 is not far behind. In fact, um, saying we're probably looking at an October timeframe for a Mavic Air 2. I haven't heard anything yet about a DJI Mavic Air 2, so I'm not, I'm not sure. That might be. Um, the question I would have is, like, what is DJI's product lineup eventually going to be? Because they're kind of stepping on each other's toes with all these drones, I think. It'd be hard to squeeze drones in between existing uh, products. Um, however, uh, then again with DJI, you never know. I mean, they're fast, they're aggressive, and they're not afraid to cannibalize on even their own products. So, Well, you know, and one of the things, and I talked about this with both with Marcus and Ron, is the fact, okay, what, what we're not going to see from DJI this year, I don't believe we're going to see another in-person type event, okay? I think they have been getting a lot of traction, and, and I talked about this with Ken Dono on Saturday, They've been getting a lot of traction from having these web-only launches. Yeah. And, you know, when, say, for instance, you have, um, and I'll just pick Rick Smith because he's a great, great person to pick on. When, when you get it in, in the hands of a content creator, say, like Rick Smith or Kelly Shores from Ready, Set, Drone, and right. they do a review, um, that holds, I think, as much or even more weight than having a big event like when, the one we went to in Brooklyn. I mean, that was, I mean, yeah. that was no small you know, DJI dropped some serious coin for that event. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, we were there and it was first class all the way. I mean, they spent all yeah. kind of money for that. What yeah, and that was even that? extra expensive because uh, they had to postpone it from early summer to late summer. So they paid twice pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so that what we're thinking is we're not going to see these again. And I think, you know, they may just decide altogether that this is the best way to get the message out because, you know, Having getting a drone in the hands of a content creator, say like maybe um, Aldrin Estacio from Flight Path or Kelly Shores from Ready Side Drone or Rick Smith from Drone Valley, you know, getting them in their hands and having them out there for review at launch speaks volumes. Oh, yeah, it does. And um, we've seen the DJI Osmo Pocket was an event in New York City. Uh, wasn't well was actually still quite expensive i think and and still uh, a pretty big setup but since then the uh, fpv package they didn't have an event for the dji osmo action they didn't have an event for the dji osmo mobile 3 they did not have an event for so you're right i mean it seems that dji kind of fine-tunes their their launch strategy however if they come out with a big drone let's say a thousand dollar plus drone 
I would imagine that they would have their own events like they did with the DJI Mavic Air, the DJI Mavic 2, uh, and even with the Spark, actually, they had one, even though that's what, two years ago now. Um, so I think for, for a big drone launch, they might still have an event. I would, I, I would hope they do at least. Uh, for smaller items, I think you're right. I think it's going to be web only. I um, just want to take a minute and welcome some people in the chat. Mike gets drone shots. Brad Hendo. Um, Lauren is here. Um, uh, Rick Halber is here. Mike Kinney. Mel is here. Um, let's look at uh, who else is here. RCDP. Uh, Logan Carpenter. Jeremy Zahora. Of course, Steve Carpenter's here. Thomas O'Sullivan. Welcome tonight. True Drone Reviews. Brian, welcome. Just wanted to get out, get out some shout outs about that. Um, one of the things that, you know, w with all of this and, and getting all of this information and trying to digest this is, you know, um, DJI broke some ground when they came out with the Tello. I mean, it really introduced drones to a whole, it, it opened them up, I would think, to a whole new level of people here. Um, you know, getting some youngsters involved, say like 10, 11, 12 years old, and getting them interested in things. And, and, and I think if they do this right here, if they get it under the 250 grams and they have it with enough features, especially having the 4K 30, I think it's like you said, I really think it will be a massive home run. I think you, stores will be, um, you know, out of stock as soon as they come out. It, it's just going to be a win for everybody. I think there's a good chance. I mean, uh, again, if you look at the Osmo Mobile uh, 3, they've done the same thing. They, they make improvements. And you could argue that the Osmo Mobile 2 was quite good already. The 3 is slightly better. Uh, if you apply the same logic to drones, then, yeah, there's room for improvements, especially when you look at the Spark. But even when you look at the DJI Mavic Air, I think there's room for improvements. So if you come out with a drone that's uh, smaller and lighter than both of those, uh, at least cheaper than the DJI Mavic Air, and it's foldable. You can take it with you anywhere. And it has all the features that most people want, which is 4K uh, video, uh, obstacle avoidance. Um, I think, yeah, I think you have a home run. And I think the DJI, I mean, they're already dominating the market, but I think they're going to completely dominate the consumer market if they get it below 250 uh, grams. Marcus, um, share with Hay um, about what you found out at, at Walmart. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I was out flying your drone the other day, right? So, so stopped at Walmart on the way home. Hey, got to got to get your groceries someplace. And of course, uh, all of us good drone people, you have to go by the drone aisle if you're if you're at Walmart. Anyway, they had the Spark uh, on clearance for three hundred twenty nine dollars with the remote. So the Spark plus the controller for three hundred twenty nine dollars. That's a phenomenal price. Uh, and so it makes it kind of pretty clear that they're they're moving them out for a reason. I think you're right. I think they're clearing inventory. I mean, we've seen the same thing happen with the DJI Mavic Pro at uh, retail outlets like Costco and stuff. They come out with these big promotions and they just they just need to move products. Um, if DJI is about to release a new drone and you're Walmart and you're stuck with thousands of sparks, yeah, you better get them out the door because you won't be selling them anymore pretty soon, I think. <laughs> well, it was very interesting. Um, one of my subscribers had sent me a picture and this was um, this was probably about a month or so ago and I think Marcus remembers this. Um, it was a Target out West that was selling Mavic Airs for $399 brand new in the box. Yeah, um, yeah that was... <laughs> Bill... I need to comment on that. I just have to. I hit every target in my area looking looking for one of those. Oh, I <laughs> I, they were all out of stock. Uh, yeah, same here. They, they were all out. Um, just kind of switching gears here just a tad, hey. Um, I want to also talk about the DJI Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 because that seemed to be a little bit of a topic of conversation before yeah. we got all this information coming out. Now, um, one of the things recently I've been beta testing firmware for the smart controller that actually enables the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 and it's been flawless with it. And, and I have to tell you this, um, I think, I think the smart controller is probably my favorite DJI accessory ever. I don't see how they can ever surpass it, but they probably will. Um, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts about them coming back into some kind of a production cycle to get some more Phantom 4 Pro V2.0s out. 
Yeah, um, we never really got a clear answer from DJI on the whole Phantom 4 story. I mean, we suspect that maybe with all the fraud late last year, that that whole production capacity might have been hindered uh, or, or at least reduced to a, to a certain degree. That might have had an impact on their ability to produce Phantom Force. Uh, we suspect that might be the case. They'll probably never admit to it, even if it is uh, true. Um, however, with no Phantom 5 on the horizon, uh, and maybe never at all, um, there's, an there's, a, there's a big gap now for professional drone pilots. I mean, uh, like I said, I work with Paul from Drone U quite a bit, and he recommends pretty much to all his students the use of a Phantom 4 Pro version 2 for all their mapping purposes. And people are scrambling to get spare parts, to get extra batteries, to be able to buy more drones uh, because they're hard to find and pretty much they're sold out uh, everywhere at this point. Now, since DJI doesn't have a replacement drone yet, and it doesn't seem like they will within the next at least couple of months, um, it makes sense for them, I think, to restart their Phantom 4 production lineup. And it seems that they have. Uh, we first heard rumors about a month, two months ago, I think, where they, where we heard that uh, it was going to be restarted back uh, in October of this year. Uh, more recently, we heard that it might as be as soon as September. So hopefully they'll not be able to bring them back to production, get them back in the stores again, even if it's only temporarily to kind of bridge the gap until the next big drone comes out from DJI. Um, but I think a lot of people would be all over that drone if it came out again. Um, you know, just just to hang on for a second about this, uh, you know, I thought it was real interesting with with your articles that have come out about it, and in conjunction with you know going doing the beta testing for the smart controller, I don't think that's an accident. I, I you know I think again, you know, them getting it paired up with a smart controller and having it working oh, is yeah. on purpose. I mean, this is they're 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 gonna they're gonna come out with more of them. I would think so. I mean, uh, the DJI Smart Controller, especially with people who fly multiple drones, of course, is, uh, is a home run as well. You can switch aircraft and keep the same controller. makes it a lot more easy. Um, the obvious question among those professional pilots would be, hey, why can't I use this with my Phantom 4 Pro? And if, if you're already testing the firmware, it seems that uh, it will be working. And yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, there was a question in the chat about no chance of the Smart Controller working uh, on the Phantom 4 Pro, it has to be the Phantom 4 Pro V 2.0 because it has OcuSync 2.0 in it. Just want to clarify that. Yeah. There was another question in the chat, and I wanted to bring this up um, from my good friend Curtis Start. What about the Hasselblad uh, copy camera? Any thoughts on that? I just want, wanted to, while we're at it, thank you for bringing that up, Curtis, by the way. Good question. Um, the Hasselblads, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is a 50 megapixel medium format camera. So that's high end. So those things are expensive. The cameras are expensive. The lenses are expensive. They're typically used by professional photographers, I think mostly in studio environments. Um, if you look at the drawings that we've seen from DJI, they look so similar that you would think that they use the, the housing or at least the hardware of the camera. And then, of course, uh, make a number of improvements to it. I don't know if, I mean, I would expect that DJI, if they're going to launch that product, that it would still be a medium format camera. I'm not sure if it would have to be, but I would imagine they would keep it uh, at a medium format sensor size. Um, but it wouldn't be DJI if that camera wouldn't be better and probably less expensive and new in, in, in different ways that uh, traditional cameras might not have thought about yet. So I'm very curious to see what they are going to come out with. I think also what is interesting is that we've seen DJI launch all these products that or and, and some of them might be about to be released so some of them aren't yet available but none of them have a lot to do with drones and you might wonder why and it seems that they are expanding their their product lineup to not be seen as just a drone company but more as a full-blown photography videography company that kind of covers anything you need in terms of digital imaging uh, and if you needed to fly then hey we got drones for that too but they, they've been expanding their product lineup tremendously recently. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's something that sticks out for sure. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to, um, as far as pricing on that, I, I think that's like a real hot topic, you know, um, because, you know, you, you want to, they want to get the message across the, you know, as far as the Hasselblad name is concerned, but they want to attach DJI to it. So I think they have to be real careful on how they price something like that. I would think so. I mean, the Hasselblad name is a name that goes way, way back. I think every professional or photography enthusiast would, would know that brand. So 
Um, I think it's something that you would have to treat carefully and you, it's not a brand. I think you just want to throw by the wayside and then, and replaced by just DJI. I think that'd be, and I don't think they will, because if you look at the Mavic 2, uh, they labeled that as a Hasselblad uh, type camera, even though it's not fully a Hasselblad camera, but at least the color science is. So DJI has been using that name and I think they will keep using the name going forward. I don't, I don't see any reason why you would throw that out. Marcus, do you have any I, I, questions for, for Hay? Yeah, so so that kind of, in talking about Hasselblad, so one of the things that I'd love to see, and, and of course we've heard rumors about, is a, a Mavic 2 Plus or whatever with that uh, Hasselblad camera with optical zoom capability, which would melt my credit card in no time, I guarantee you. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on that, Hay? Um, that sounds like uh, an ideal drone, pretty much. Um, our theory so far is that we're not going to see the return of the Phantom and that DJI will, in fact, early 2020, come out with a new version of the DJI Mavic. I don't think it's going to be the Mavic 3. It seems to be more along the lines of a Mavic 2 Plus or a Mavic 2 Platinum, something like that. Um, I think what they will focus on is uh, mostly better video quality. Um, if they're going to upgrade the entire camera, that would be great. I mean, a lot of people want um, a global shutter or a mechanical shutter system on a drone of that size. Uh, that's what a lot of people look for when they go and, uh, and try to buy the uh, Phantom 4 Pro version 2. I don't know if, they, if DJI can squeeze that into a Mavic package. I think they probably can. Um, we'll have to see and find out, I guess. I mean... January 2020 is not that far away anymore at this point. So hopefully they'll be able to, uh, to surprise us with something like that. And, and you can rest assured if we're thinking about it, they're oh. thinking about it. Yeah, I think, I think the Mavic Mini kind of shows us that as well. So that they're thinking about all these things as well. They're trying to yeah. come up with products that's, uh, that are new in, uh, in different ways. And um, a improved Mavic 2 Plus, or however you want to call it, I think would find a lot of buyers. I mean, when they first launched the Mavic Pro, uh, that was by far the most popular and the best-selling drone DJI ever had. Uh, might not has, have, have been as iconic as the Phantom series. Of, I mean, of course, everybody knows that silhouette. Um, but the foldable Mavic has been a great success, and it makes sense, in my mind at least, for DJI to continue with that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, and and to kind of kind of piggyback on that statement is, you know, as as much as if the um, Mavic Mini comes under the 250 gram weight, if DJI comes out with a Mavic with a uh, a Mavic Pro two and a half or whatever they'll call it with a mechanical shutter, oh. that will probably do just as well. I think those will fly off the shelves as well. I totally agree. I think uh, the biggest concern, at least that we've heard from people with the Mavic 2 Pro, is that just the video quality isn't good enough. And then if you go to the uh, the, the mapping people and the people that use it for modeling and whatnot, uh, they tell you that uh, they need a mechanical shutter in order to do their work fast and, and accurately. And both those things are currently missing. And I think with all the technology that DJI has, it, it, to me, it sounds like it should be easy for them to implement that into a Mavic uh, drone. But who am hey, I? One of the questions I wanted to ask you was, and, and I get this asked a lot, is, you know, a lot of people, um, they're part 107 pilots and they're going out to do maybe a real estate job or something else. And they have, they come out with, let's say, uh, they bring a Mavic 2 Pro out. And people look at them and they're like, really? And yeah. then if, for example, they also have, oh, I have a Phantom 4 Pro. Oh, oh well, that's the drone. You know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, no, I, th I think that's, uh, that's still very legitimate. I mean, a lot of people think bigger is better. If you show an Inspire versus a Phantom, they'll say, oh, the Inspire obviously is the professional drone. And if you show a Mavic next to a Phantom, they'll point to the Phantom and say, that's the professional drone. Um, I think there's there's always going to be a drone that's that's best suited for a particular project. Um, I also think that as more and more people start to see Phantoms being, or sorry, Mavics being used, I think they'll accept that that is a professional tool as well. Um, we met with the uh, New York City Fire Department last week, and their most popular drone is the Mavic as well. It's just, it's way easier to bring along. Their cars are already fully packed with other equipments. Now they just have this small case with the drone and it has a thermal camera as well. And for them, that's good enough. And they'd much rather have two or three or four of those drones 
then fly around uh, one big and expensive matrice. So I think what, what you see happening is that uh, the perception is that a bigger, more expensive drone is always going to be better, but that's, not all, that's in many cases not true. And I think that um, that realization in the end will also trickle through, to, through uh, let's say, the general public. So I hope that uh, that is going to change. But I agree that right now, a lot of people still think, hey, a bigger drone like a Phantom or even an Inspire is the professional aircraft. And that's what you should need for a job. Yeah, you know, because I know I, I hear that. And, you know, I had a good discussion with Ken Dono about that, you know, and, and we, we talked about that because he actually he has a bit he does real estate photography. And, you know, sometimes he brings his Evo is ideal for a shot. His, his Autel Evo is good for a shot. Sometimes he'll, you know, bring his Mavic 2 Pro or sometimes his Zoom, depending upon the area, the location, everything. And, you know, real estate photography, it's very interesting because I've learned a lot from Ken and what he's told me about that. And it's more than what meets the eye. It's not just being able to go out and, you know, orbit a house, you mm -hmm. know, 50 feet away and everything. There's a lot to this. And, you know, the shots have to be right because, you know, a lot of times if it's in a confined area, you know, you have to be very mindful of where you're at, where you're flying. It's just, there's just a lot into it. And people just, people just think, oh, I got my part 107. I can hang up my shingle and start going to make money. And it's just, it's just not that easy. No, I think especially in real estate photography. I mean, if, if you're limited because there's trees around the house or power lines or the house is a funky shape and you need to be able to position your drone right, uh, a Mavic 2 Zoom is probably a great drone to use because you've got the zoom capability. It's a small and nimble drone that you can position where you want. Um, and in the end, uh, most people probably shop houses on their phone, on their iPad anyway. So it's not like they're looking at the images at a massive screen. They're probably just looking at these photos uh, on their phone anyway. So a small drone like a, a DJI Mavic Zoom or Mavic 2 Zoom is probably more than sufficient for those kind of photos, I would think. You know, Mar Marcus and, and Ron, look, they have a channel called Xeno Nation, and they they look at drones like the the, the Xeno. They look at drones like the Femi X8. Um, they do some, they all, they both have the parent Anopi as well. You know, yeah. some, what I would consider some, you know, th they're kind of taking a stab at DJI a little bit with that. How, how experienced are you with, with some of those drones? I mean, as much as you um, know. I have two Anafis. I had some of the older Paris's uh, as well. Um, the, the smaller, less expensive drones I have less experience with simply because there's so many of them. Um, Drone DJ's focus for a big part has been DJI. Not so much because it's DJI, but more because DJI covers most of the market. I mean, more than 70% of all the drone sales basically are DJI products. So uh, as a result, we, we do cover all that news. Um, I really do wish that there was a competitor that could stand up to DJI, and we would be more than happy to cover those guys just as much. Um, I'm very excited about uh, Skydio and their upcoming drone. I hope that's going to present some real competition for DJI. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're not married to DJI at all. It's just that DJI makes a lot of different drones. A lot of people buy them and yes, they are really good in, in many ways. So they get a lot of coverage on drone DJ. You know, one of the things uh, Marcus and Ron and I had an episode where we were talking recently about DJI's uh, FPV system that they just yeah. came out. Um, what about your thoughts on, on that? Because that's a whole different segment of, of, of people. I mean, they're real, they're very into it and they're very in tune with it. And, um, you know, I've hear, I'm hearing a mixed reaction in the community about that. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I was at the event that uh, DJI had in Brooklyn and I saw the difference between analog and HD. And in, in my eyes, at least the difference is massive. I mean, once you see HD quality, it's kind of hard to go back to analog. I know that a lot of people are heavily invested in analog systems and they've been using them a lot and for them it might be it might be just fine. Um, on the other hand, I think for a lot of people that are new to the sport um, and that are used to high definition screens and high quality video footage is, is once you see HD, um, it's it kind of sets the bar at that level and it's hard to accept something that has lesser quality, I think. Um, I watched a video and I forgot the guy's name, but he was a he is a uh, FPV drone racer, and he said, "Okay, a lot of the reviews of the DJI FPV system were more from uh, people that use the drones as an action camera that flies around rather than actual drone racing." 
And he had some other interesting uh, perspectives on uh, what might make this, uh, this system a success. He had some question marks as well. But I think one of the things that, uh, that I took from that is that if you want to share the racing footage with an audience and you want to be able to show people the action on a race course, you have to have a certain level of quality. And it's hard for people to know what's going on if, if the competing drones that fly around are little specks on the screen and are impossibly hard to, uh, to track and follow with your eyes. So I think having the HD quality to share the racing action with an audience and possibly on television or on the internet uh, would make a big difference. So it wouldn't surprise me if some of those larger drone leaks might actually switch over to an HD system or maybe even to the DJI system. Um, and it might well become the new standard just because of that. You know, it's, it's interesting that they decided to, you know, and this is something that we've always kind of discussed. And I think I know you've heard me say this before too. DJI doesn't enter, enter something with their tiptoes. Okay. They, they do full immersion. Okay. They, they go in a hundred, hundred percent, you know, and I think that's what they did here with this because they don't, they just don't take a stab at it. They go into it with 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 both feet yeah the 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 one big missing part though is the actual fpv racing drone <laughs> yeah and you know that would be probably the number one comment that i got on my video yeah. that we did about that the special that we did about that is where's a drone for this um you know where's an fpv drone for this because you know you, you would think i mean they have you, know, you see the transmitter the goggles yeah. you know and there's no, there's no drone. I mean, it's yeah. just, I mean, that, that's the first question that somebody's going to ask if they're interested in buying this system is where the heck is the drone? And I think right now DJI offers uh, third party components on their website. So you can assemble your own drone that will work with this system, but you still need to put it together. you still need to solder. And um, maybe for the FPV drone racers, that's fine. That's not a big deal. But I think for people that are more into um, the action camera, uh, idea that you fly a drone in, in a way that with normal drones would be hard to achieve and they're not necessarily looking to race. I don't know if those people are as hands-on and they're going to get the toolbox out and they're going to start soldering a drone together. Um, I think they would look to DJI and say, well, hey, you guys just need to make a drone. I mean, they're a drone maker. So where's the drone? Well, you know, one of the interesting comments that I had about this, and maybe Marcus can chime in on this too, was, you know, and you mentioned soldering, you know, to put a kit together that's maybe plug and play compatible in terms of, you know, just being able to put something like this together, but not be to the point where you need to solder connections. Marcus, what do you think about that? Well, to your point, I know just what you're describing. I mean, I, I, I know little to nothing about that FPV drone racing scene other than like you guys, I like watching it on TV. Uh, but I, I do know that those guys like building their own stuff and, and doing that sort of thing. So I don't know. So if they had just a, a standard DJI racer, there would always be, I would think another guy that says, well, I can build one and, and put hotter motors on it or, or you know, uh, do things that maybe would make them more competitive. But hey, I think to your point, if, if at least if they had one, uh, that would bring people into the sport. And then maybe then that guy decides, well, if I really want to be the really super fast guy, then they can buy some other components and, and soup it up. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I think DJI played it really smart, to be honest. I mean, they're, they're giving people the option to use their own drone and to assemble and build their own aircraft. Uh, so they're not excluding those guys at all. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do expect them at some point to come out with a uh, FPV racing drone as well to kind of cater to the other audience who says, hey, I'm not going to build an aircraft. I just want something off the shelf that's ready to fly. And, and like I see one of our uh, Mike Roche is saying uh, that they like to build their own because they crash. So probably something that is modular and repairable. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that um, is coming up in um, not too long is August 23rd. It'll be a year that the Mavic 2 has, has, has been out. And, you know, I remember going to the event like yesterday. I mean, it was great because both Valerie and I got the opportunity to meet you, which was fantastic. And, um, you know, I guess one of the things that impressed me, and this is totally unrelated, was um, – how tall Kelly Shores is, okay, and also how tall Ed Ricker is. 
I had no clue Ed Ricker was as tall as he was until I met him there. I'm like, hi, Ed, how are you? It just kind of like blew me away. I know that was kind of like off topic, but, but anyway, um, you know, we're coming up on a year anniversary for this and, and it just, it just never ceases to amaze me. Hey, because you know, when Ken and I were flying on set on Saturday, I mean, it, it was just, it was kind of overcast and everything, but you know what? It was just, it was stellar. The drones responded well. In fact, if you watch Ken's video, um, I had an instance where evidently a boat was coming underneath the Skyway Bridge and either the GLONASS or the satellite or something was interfering with my signal. And, and I saw that and I just right away, I packed it in and came back home um, because I was, I was getting a weak transmission signal. But, but the quality of this drone is just, it's just off the charts. It really is. I mean... I think the uh, the transmission quality is uh, is a step up significantly from the original Mavic Pro. I mean, that was my first drone from DJI, and I feel it's uh, quite a bit. If you compare that to the DJI Mavic 2, uh, it's it's quite a step up. And this is also where the FPV system kind of becomes interesting because that's the next iteration. And I spoke at the event with uh, Ferdinand Wolf, who is the I think he's the creative director in Europe from for DJI. And he said that the transmission system that they use for the FPV system is something that they can tweak. So they can tweak it to be more focused on less latency at the expense of video quality, but they can also dial it back towards the other end of the spectrum where the focus would be more on video quality and the latency would be a little uh, less short or uh, however you want to call that. But for, for regular drone pilots, that's probably not so much an issue. I mean, they don't need the... Uh, uh, the incredible low latency that you need for drone racing. So, again, if, if, if DJI comes out with a new version of the Mavic early next year, I would expect them to come out with a better transmission system yet again, uh, even though the Mavic 2 already is really, really good. Marcus, you're going to say something? Go ahead. Well, I just was going to say those are all great points because that's the first thing I noticed when I got my Mavic 2 is you just don't you, – connectivity issues – we're just simply a thing of the past with it. Uh, you know, you can fly as far as I want to go, and I've I've never tried to fly it out of range, never, but because it's gone as far as I have ever needed uh, to do anything. And secondly, uh, it's still the target that everybody's shooting for. So we talk about DJI coming out with a new product, but really there's nothing else really to compete with it, particularly at that price point right now. You could talk about the Autel Evo, and yeah, it's, it can shoot for 60 frames a second or whatever. So I suppose that's a little bit better. But I don't think that, that it's better than that Hasselblad camera. And for sure, the transmission system on the Mavic is better. And uh, we're not even talking about the features like obstacle avoidance and how refined the Go 4 app is as opposed to, now I don't own an Autel, so I, I'm mm -hmm. not speaking, I'm just talking about what I hear from others, but they they talk about issues with the app and, and waiting for things to get updated. It's not so with DJI, that thing is spot on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And this is exactly why uh, we're so interested to see what Skydio is gonna come out with, because the Skydio R1, uh, when I first flew it, it blew me totally away in terms of how well that drone was able to fly. and uh, the obstacle avoidance was something out of this world. I mean, uh, it was ridiculous, I think, how uh, that's how, how good it was. Um, what I've heard is that Skydio is going to come out with a drone that's going to be competing with the DJI Mavic 2, uh, same price point, possibly lower. The drone should be smaller. The drone should be lighter. The drone should be better. Um, the original R1, uh, in the eyes of many, was like a one-trick pony. I mean, it was like a flying action camera, and it was great for that, but you couldn't do a lot of the things that you could do with a Mavic 2. And I think that's where Skydio kind of fell short back then. I hope that that's something that they've changed now as well, where they kind of have all those other features also, that you can fly the drone like you fly your Mavic, and if they combine that with the obstacle avoidance and at that same price point, then maybe finally we have a real competitor for DJI. Yeah, that, that's very exciting. We've talked about that. We touched base on that. Um, you know, I think um, obviously, you know, the, the price point on their, on, their, on their first one was a little on the high side. And, and I'm hoping that, that they're able to get their costs down for this one, because I think if, if they can do that, I think they're going to they're gonna have a, a, a yeah. real contender for DJI. 
I think the the first one was uh, mostly so expensive because it was their first product, their first iteration. It was assembled here in the US. And I think a lot of the research and development costs had to be recouped. Um, I would expect the second version to be a lot less expensive. And I would also think that they're going to produce them in a much, much bigger volume than they did with the first one. Marcus, do you have any final questions for Hay tonight? You know, I think, uh, geez, I've covered all of mine. I, I just appreciate Hay coming on and uh, disseminating his knowledge to the rest of us because uh, it's, it's really valuable to those of us that, uh, that are interested in, in what's coming up from DJI. Hey, any, some closing thoughts for you? No, I mean, thank you so much for having me on the show. I mean, I know it was all short notice, but it's always a pleasure to be here. And I love talking about drones with, with all of you guys. So uh, thank you so much for having me here. And um, fingers crossed for the launch of the DJI Mavic Mini. That's, uh, that's what we're focused on right now. Well, as again, as I, as I said earlier, you know, the, my two go-to news sources every day are Drone DJ and um, the Drone Girl, Sally French. And um, hey, you run a first-class outfit, the 9 to 5 group is something I, I look at just about everything on the nine to five group because it's just the articles are fantastic. Uh, I know, Thank you. Um, you know, I, I, I have to say that you guys just, just do absolutely fantastic with, with all that. And, um, you know, keep up the excellent work. Uh, thank you for being a good part of the drone community, uh, for getting, getting great information out there for us to disseminate. And, you know, we'll, we'll be, Having our having our fingers crossed and our wallets ready yeah. <laughs> for for what's coming up. So, yeah. um, you know, I want to thank everybody that showed up tonight in the chat. It was a great chat. I monitored it. Um, you guys are great. Um, you know, there's a lot of great, exciting things coming up in in this half of the year. You know, we we had the Osmo Mobile Three today. Um, you know, I personally have I have the Osmo Action, and I absolutely enjoy that. I'm having a blast with that. Um, you know, I took it up to see our new granddaughter and it was just a thrill of a lifetime to be able to use that. Although my wife complained, she says it makes a noise when you turn it on and off and you can wake the baby up with it. So. <laughs> but with all that being said, again, I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight. Another reminder again, um, spin up October 19th. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a link, Steve Carpenter posted it in the chat. If you're interested, please click on that link. You want to make your reservations and get there. You don't want to miss it. Hay's going to be speaking. We're also going to have, um, oh, Jason Shoppert, I believe that's how you pronounce from Remote Pilot 101. He's going to be speaking there as well. Um, you don't want to miss that. I mean, Jason is fantastic as well. Um, you know, I, I know he does. Remote Pilot 101 is the course to take uh, regarding, you know, getting your part 107. So don't, don't even hesitate on getting another course. And when you pay for it, you pay for it for life. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. Well, with all that being said, I want to thank everybody again. And remember, it's a great day to fly. Take care, everybody. Good night.